0: Thanks for joining us for Season 4 of the Hospitality Hangout, a hospitality-focused podcast where the founders of Branded Strategic share their insights and bring technology and innovation leaders that are making things happen in the industry we love. My name is Jimmy Frischling, otherwise known as the Finance Guy. I'd like to introduce my partner, Mr. Michael Schatzberg, also known as the Restaurant Guy.
1: Thanks for the uh, kind, warm fantastic introduction. Jimmy, And to those listening, feel free to call me Shatsy. Together, we're the personalities behind branded strategic hospitality. We are work at the intersection of hospitality, technology, innovation, and capital. Jimmy, before we get started, because we got a really fantastic guest and a great show prepared for everyone today, I just want to give a shameless plug, if I may. Oh, please. Help we yourself. launched a platform, an e-commerce platform uh, a, a while back. It's called the branded marketplace, thebrandedmarketplace.com. Jimmy, this thing is loaded up with over two hundred best-in-class technology solutions for anyone, anyone in the hospitality space—hotels, casinos, stadiums, airports, restaurants. If you're touching food and beverage, you got to get check out the marketplace because the greatest, the greatest solutions are on this. And the best thing, Jimmy, you know what we charge for this? Tell me. Zero. That's right. Zero. 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 do people they make money? on the marketplace, <laughs> we don't charge them. And the people visiting the marketplace, we don't charge them. Jimmy, we have over 200 people. And I'm confident that when we get to 500, somehow we're going to figure out how to make money on this thing.
0: You know, it no, all, all it's
1: all volume <laughs> it's all volume it's just a great it's a great tool uh, if you're not on the marketplace and you'd like to if you have a solution you want to get on there jimmy just email me marketplace at brandedstrategic.com, and we'll be happy to get you on there uh and if you haven't visited check out the branded marketplace.com immediately and find some of the best in class solutions to help you operate your business save money save time save everything make more money the whole thing jimmy back to you
0: I love it. And I, I won't say as always, but as sometimes that that's so self, uh, shameless self-promotion was sponsored by Chico's Bail Bonds. Chico's. Chico's. Thank, God for Chico's. <laughs> Thank God for Chico's. All right. Listen, uh, before we start our episode today, uh, I do we do have a very exciting offer uh, to share to all operators listening. Please make sure you tune in to this incredible offer that we'll be announcing. At the end of the episode. Okay, we're very excited for today's uh, episode. Today's guest it is Mr. Paul Allen, President and Co-founder at NextBite. Uh, what Paul and the team at NextBite are doing is is really incredible, and we feel very lucky and fortunate to have Paul on the show with us. So, Paul, we'll let you take the lead. Please give us, you know, a little background on yourself, and of course, what's happening at NextBite.
2: Sure. Well, first of all, thank you both for having me on. I'm a big fan of what you guys do, and uh, it's a pleasure to be here. Um, Background on myself. I started out in Silicon Valley uh, in a a variety of roles, uh, working with large tech companies, Intel, Motorola, Adobe, helping them bring better products to market. Um, My career has really been focused on the tech side and, uh, and in, in marketing and sales and operational roles. Um, and, you know, we've been growing NextByte for about a year and a half. We started as OrderMark. Your listeners probably are more familiar with OrderMark than NextByte, uh, but NextByte is growing extremely fast. Um, we are uh, growing our team, bringing on incredibly talented people. Um, you know, to help restaurants across the country to dive into delivery only brands and uh, super excited to share more with you. You know something? Thanks. Uh, thank you for that.
1: And um, before we jump into next and all things that you are involved in, I want to take a little deeper dive. You touched a little bit about Silicon Valley, but you know something? I got a chance to, to talk to you a little bit a couple of weeks ago at, uh, at the at the um ghost kitchen show and you you know what you're a little humble because you're you got a lot more to tell a lot more under there so before we jump into next bite give us a little bit about how paul came to next bite where'd you start i know you were in silicon valley and you were a tech guy we laughed about that a little bit because now you became a restaurant guy i'm a restaurant (laughs) guy and i'm trying to get out of the restaurant space you're getting into the restaurant (laughs) space tell us a little about your
2: background because it's really interesting Sure, sure. After grad school, I moved to the Bay Area and I started working with very large tech companies, as I said, uh, helping to uh, uh, refine their products and uh, bring better products to market. And um, from there, I went on to work with a host of of early stage technology companies Um, and then met my wife. We relocated to Hartford, Connecticut. Um, and I ran, uh, the statewide software association for several years in Connecticut. Um, and then we, we moved to, uh, Shaker Heights, Ohio. Um, that's a beautiful, beautiful area. It is. It's a fantastic place to live, raise kids. Um, but I started an ed tech company was recently acquired, um, actually for, uh, parents of children with autism. and. that company grew very quickly um and and i found myself you know in the midwest at a time where there wasn't a ton of support for startups i had previously started one of the larger angel groups um in the mid 90s called tribe of angels and um had an interest in economic development for my time in connecticut and so i started an accelerator in the city that i lived in in shaker heights and and then was uh, uh shortly after i i did that i was recruited by a guy named dan gilbert who's the founder of Quicken Loans to uh, start an accelerator, uh, tech accelerator downtown Cleveland. And I ran that for four years, invested in 80 companies and, um, and, and one of those companies that we invested in uh, the founder contacted me a few years later and he had gotten together with my other co-founder, um, Alex. Wait for it. I wait for this, it. Here it is, people. This is it. <laughs> I had this <laughs> idea for, uh, um, for, for OrderMark, And um and at that point, I was I was relocating to Denver, um, got together with them, and uh, we started Watermark. and and that was four years ago. The company grew very quickly, and had a lot of good fortune, and did a lot of hard work. But um, the uh, about about two years ago, we began to plant the seeds for Next Bite, as we recognized, you know, there was a big opportunity, and. And virtual restaurants, and um, it was a we felt it was going to be a, a good way for us to help um, our order mark customers drive more incremental revenue. And it turned out to be the case. So, um, you know, uh, we've been fortunate to have some terrific investors, including SoftBank, and made an investment in, in November last year. and um, We were doubling down on NextBite and growing it as quickly as we can. That was a that was big
1: investment, if I remember right, it was like $10 trillion yep. dollars or something.
2: Yeah, it was a little south of 10 trillion, but yeah, it was was a big big number, right? It was. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. For us, certainly it was. Um, You know, I think it's a testament to their their belief that the market is um, changing and there's opportunity uh, for people that are serious about helping restaurants. And I
1: think it's a big testament to to what you're doing over there and you and Alex and the team. Right. I mean, they're they're they're
2: basically uh, giving you a big check to uh, to prove it out. Yeah, well, it, it's, uh, you know, I know it's cliche, but it's certainly been a team effort. And at this stage, um, you know, we're up to hundreds of extremely talented uh, team members. And I am just blown away by the caliber of folks that are joining our team. And uh, I think it's really a testament to their efforts.
0: You know, Paul, one of the things um, we were, Shatz and I, you know, at Branded, our whole thesis is really operator centric and operator driven. We, we want to improve the industry. We want to improve margins for all stakeholders. But we're very aware that that to do that, we have to deliver value to operators so they could actually manage and deliver uh, value to their guests, their customers. Um, yeah. We've always loved what, what you and Alex and the team at OrderMark um, are doing. And then when you launched Nextbyte, it was clear to us you took that same you know, kind of your th- that philosophy of being an ally, and um, yeah. and and you brought it into Next Bite. You know, I, I think if if we were to take a virtual show of hands, um, I really believe the the super majority of our listeners would agree that the hottest topic in hospitality right now is ghost or virtual kitchens, dark kitchens, virtual restaurants. There's a lot of different nomenclatures and naming conventions cloud. around. Cloud, uh, around, uh, yes, cloud kitchens. Thank you, Shazzy. Um And while Next Bite is certainly classified, you know, in that space, in that vertical. Um, uh-huh. Chats and I, you know, we feel you've almost created a category all your own. Can you tell us, uh, or tell our listeners, you know, a little more about what makes Next Byte, you know, unique and I dare say different than, let's say, some <laughs> of your peers at least. What what is that you know, sure. that that kind of uniqueness about Next Byte? I think our listeners
2: love to hear about it. Sure, absolutely. Well, you know, we started OrderMark, as you said, with a real focus on operations and helping uh, operators be more successful, and that's in the core of our DNA. Um, We're obsessed with developing technology and brands to help restaurants uh, thrive, and uh, that's what we did with OrderMark, and that is our focus um, um, with NextBite. You know, what makes us uh, somewhat distinct, uh, perhaps from uh, Ghost Kitchens, uh, commissary model businesses today, is um, we are working with existing restaurants that have excess capacity to help incremental revenue for them so we exist solely to help existing restaurants and that's a big differentiator if you don't have to look too far back in history you know to see what happened with the decimation of main street america and big box stores and um that's not a future we're excited about that's a great point uh we are uh we are interested in culture and restaurants and food um, we're obsessed with, you know, uh, the idea that we can help restaurants to uh, not just survive this this era of change, but really, really thrive and adapt. Um, but it's not a simple proposition. You know, there's operational challenges, there's technical challenges, cultural challenges, business challenges. Um, to adapting to this new era. And, and that's really what, why we exist, um, to be an ally, as you said, uh, with the operators.
1: That's awesome. It's very much how, uh, Jimmy, as, as operators ourselves, very much how how, how we think. Um, so you guys have experienced incredible growth over at Next Byte, uh, over the recent uh, months. Uh, I mean, I, I read somewhere over 400% increase in, mm-hmm. uh, in revenues uh, in growth uh, yep. is that a phenomena do you think that is is a phenomena that you'll keep up is that due to the pandemic is this just because of this y- you said excess capacity and you're going to restaurants that have excess capacity is this a temporary thing with the excess excess capacity simply because some people are, are not going out this that and the other thing and is this something you see slowing down or no way man this is here to stay and we are just signing up more and more restaurants they love what we're doing is what do you think
2: well, um, we see this uh, this trend and change in consumer behavior, ordering out, um, as continuing and accelerating the the uh, phenomenon that occurred before COVID. Certainly, there it's it's been heightened by COVID, and mm-hmm. I think everyone in the restaurant industry has been experiencing some bumps in the road as there's a return to on-prem, and um, you know society is trying to readjust to uh, a post. Hopefully, post-pandemic world, um, but we do see long-term continued growth in the space. Um, again, simply because of the trends that were existing before uh, COVID hit. Uh, now, th- th- there was certainly increased demand throughout COVID, not only for mm-hmm. next-bite solutions but for order mark as well. Um, and so, you know, we're we're closely monitoring the changes in demand, but. Um, you know, you mentioned four hundred percent. In all modesty, our growth has been uh, considerably higher than that on the revenue side. The- oh, it was four thousand. Wait, a, four thousand percent? I left that zero
1: out there. Is that better?
2: <laughs> no, no not, not quite four
1: thousand. But let <laughs> me Paul. But as people yeah. come back, I'm just, I'm just curious because at our restaurants, I asked one yeah. of our chefs, and as people came back and dining rooms are starting to fill up, certainly in you know different areas or different experiences, et cetera. But yeah. like New York City, some of the dining rooms are experiencing um, a a large influx of, of, of in-person dining. And my chef, one of the chefs in one of our restaurants was like, you know, I don't have any capacity. I'm, uh, you know, when we were empty, I had capacity, but now I got to serve, you know, 200 people in my restaurant plus my off-prem. So maybe, maybe that's just, you know, that's just a, you know,
2: case by case kind of thing, but most people don't experience that you think? Well, no. As I said, there's been some bumps over the last, mm-hmm. you know, couple of months, and certainly um, the the combination of inventory challenges and um, yeah, and 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 staffing challenges are hitting every restaurant, and um, and so we're having conversations with some operators. It's it's not a significant number, but we are having conversations with some that are, you know dialing back on Mm -hmm. uh, their delivery business. But that's
1: okay. That's nice. That's, listen, you can go up and down, right? Absolutely. Yeah. That's that's the the best thing thing about it. If you
2: need, if you need the sales channel, dial it up. If you don't bring it down. That's right. That's right. What we don't want to see is a wholesale return to this mentality, which, you know, 50% of operators had uh, just over a year ago, that um, off-prem is not vital to their future growth and success um you know we we want to empower restaurants to be successful but we also don't want to see restaurants you know withdrawing uh, wholesale from uh, delivery only because that is a critical and I, I remember conversations in the media um year and a half ago you know with large chain executives and um you know reporters asking them whether or not they felt that off-prem was viable and necessary <laughs> and oh my goodness. Uh, obviously you know and, and some of their responses were surprising, you know, uh, that they were insistent that, that on-prem was where it was at. And that's where they're going to stay committed to that. Um, we don't think anything in life is that simple and there needs to be balance. And so um, certainly the future we envision is a balance. We're, we're big fans of dining in restaurants and uh, doing it tonight with my team. So. I was, uh,
0: I was listening to you guys speak, and I know that surprises Shatzi that I was able to listen as, <laughs> a, as quietly and intently as I did. Uh, you Jimmy. I,
1: I was very concerned, actually. No, we talk
0: <laughs> about optionality and we talk about the importance, and that, you know, we're this is an incredibly fragmented business. I'll, I'll take a shot and say I think it is the most fragmented industry I've ever seen. Therefore, <laughs> uh, to deliver for the, the just the variety uh, and, the, and the diversity of guests. Um, and their their needs, their wants, it's it's optionality. I think you guys are doing just that and we're talking about just that. All right. I want to talk about Shachi's wife's Jillian's favorite topic. Celebrities. Yep. Oh. Yep. Celebrities. All about the I celebrities. Mean, we should have had Jillian on for this. I think so. So, um, you know, you have uh, some licensing deals that have helped spur and contributed to – uh, next rapid growth. And I think, mm-hmm. um, you know, as as, as, a, as a platform that's dedicated to the hospitality industry, we're seeing more and more celebrities capitalizing off their fame and enter the hospitality uh, space. And for avoiding of any doubt, we love it. <laughs> Anyone wants to come into our, our lake or our, our, you know, what the, the pond we're swimming in, please mm-hmm. join us. Um, sure. And we're constantly talking about, you know, talking to people about whether customers are more likely to purchase from a well-known chef and restaurant Or maybe a well-known celebrity, and how influential can that be? You know, you're working with legends, George Lopez, and and George Lopez Tacos, Hotbox by Wiz, and that's Wiz, as in Wiz Khalifa. Can you share with us about the difference in working with both traditional and non-traditional
2: kitchens? Sure, sure. Great question. Um, well, so you're right. We, we are working with a, a couple of big celebrities currently, and, and we have quite a few more that we'll be rolling out shortly. Um, and, and our focus is really um, authenticity. It's authenticity in the brands. It's making sure that and when we do these kinds of deals, that the celebrities are really committed to the success of the brands uh, and that they're, they're involved, that they care about the food, um, that they're interested in food. Um, and that's not just lip service. You know, our goal is not to slap a name of a big celebrity onto a brand and try and ride that off into the sunset. Cause it turns out that's not how it works. From a marketing standpoint, there is uplift, um, when you're partnering with celebrities and it's not trivial, uh, but it doesn't, uh, it's, it's not all that you need to get the job done. And so it really has to be a partnership and there has to be something genuine behind it. Um, you know, in terms of uh, traditional restaurants that enjoy a great reputation, have built that reputation over years, uh, I, I don't know that you can, uh, you know, replace that with, uh, with a celebra- a, new, a brand new celebrity brand. Um, I think, you know, what we see is in every city, you know, there's a handful of iconic restaurants uh, they do it right. They're excellent operators. They've earned their terrific reputation. And, um, you know, it's hard for them to foul it up. Uh, people will give them a second, third chance. Um, and that's not the case with uh, celebrity brands. Uh, they're new and unproven. And so it's you know, a very different dynamic from a reputation and loyalty standpoint. Um but, you know, we're, we're fans of both and, and we work with both and we have thousands and thousands of restaurants nationwide, you know, on the order mark system and um, and they come in all stripes. You know, some of them are attached to celebrities and and, and majority are not. Listen, celebrity
1: appeal, uh, no doubt has a, uh, a great marketing, uh, you know, can really market itself a little bit, you know, but a, a little bit, though, it can't, like you just said, it, it's going to help you get some notoriety. But at the end of the day, you got to deliver a good product. It's got to taste good. It's got to be on time. I mean, there's so many factors. I think to your point, you know, you go to, a, a, you know, a, a, a great restaurant that you've go to a bunch of times, maybe, maybe they, you know, it doesn't go as well that day, but you're going to give them another shot. But when it comes to takeout and delivery and stuff like that, boy, something new, if it's not good, you're like, I tried it, it sucked. I'm never going back. Right? right i mean yep. you're just not giving another chance so 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 marketing is really really important to the growth of of these virtual brands and what and what you guys are doing right sure because at the end of the day when i'm driving around and i see a neon sign for a store i'm like oh, i got to try that restaurant i see that i know where it is but now and 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 the customer engagement is you know there's the restaurant i'm going to you know xyz cafe and I know it, and they know me, and we can engage with each other. But when it comes to these virtual brands, that XYZ Cafe is not really what I could be eating, like you just said. I could be eating a George Lopez burrito from there, but I didn't know it came from there, really, right? Sure, sure. So I mean, so customer engagement and customer acquisition, and that becomes really, really important. And I know, for from Jimmy and I standpoint here at Branded, we believe customer engagement. I mean, next to having an, an you know an omni-channel, a digital ordering platform. I think yep. engagement is the next thing you have to have. So, what yep. kind of stuff are you guys doing on the yep. technology side, or what have you? For what's your marketing strategy? How do you keep it in in, in
2: you know the brand in in mind? Sure, sure, uh, yeah, great question. And um, you know, we deploy a multitude of channels to uh, reach consumers and build a relationship, maintain that relationship. Um, and you know that requires close relationships with the major delivery services uh, for the orders that are placed through those services. Um, but um, you know a lot of the marketing that we do is stage dependent, and so when we launch a brand, there's a period of time where we're doing certain types of marketing uh, versus later on as the brand uh, grows. And um, and you know b- besides sort of the block and tackling. Um, which consists of direct and print and digital and PR and all the stuff you'd expect, um, you know, really the secret sauce for us uh, exists in the technology and the operations and its relation to marketing. And so, you know, the nature of delivery only brands is that the brands are sexy. They can be fun new, um, but, the meat and potatoes behind the brands is really what drives efficiency and profitability. And that's operations, that's training, Mm -hmm. uh, that's supply chain, that's technology. Um, it's stuff that's really deceptively complex. Um, and that's where we focus a majority of our resources. Um, and if you don't get those things right, for example, you know, speed of preparation, If you don't have a menu that has items that can be prepared quickly that's going to have ripple effect consequences uh, that are negative on every dollar that you're spending marketing uh, because the the pickup experience everything from the pickup experience to the consumer experience is going to be uh, corrupted and um, so data ops and tech um really drive marketing efficiency you speak speaking uh, jimmy's language right now you got data he gets crazy <laughs> when you start mentioning data excited now. i'm not gonna sure. lie i'm liking it <laughs> so that's that's really for us when we think about marketing we think about block and tackling and there's a lot of special stuff that we're learning that's coming out of just experience and in our data team but the um interrelationship between ops and tech um and quality control um, and marketing is really where it's at.
0: I'm digging it, and the, and Shachi
2: wasn't wrong. Uh, the more we start touching on data um, and, and and
0: all the various value that comes out of that, and really personal consumption data is what this is all about, and it is among the most valuable data sets um, out there. All right, you know, on the on the hangout, uh, we always like to talk about the restaurant tech stack, and we will certainly dive more into that when we move on with our uh, you know top of the tech stack segment. Um, but I think it's also equally important to discuss tech stacks for the tech providers as well. Mm -hmm. Um, And Paul, you may be the first person um, that we've chatted with uh, and certainly to come on the, on the, on the hangout to compare technology to taxes. Yes. I did not stutter. (laughs) I didn't misspeak. uh, I thought it was death and taxes, Jimmy. No, it is. (laughs) It is technology and taxes. (laughs) um, uh, And, and, and Paul, you're unique in that you, uh, you, you like to compare the, uh, the two uh, tech to taxes. So um, since right now the listeners think I'm nuts and I, I misread something. (laughs) Can you please tell us more? I still think it's taxes and death, Jimmy. Tell us more about Nextbyte's uh, tech stack
2: um, and and whether it it does or doesn't involve a sophisticated accountant. (laughs) Sure, sure. Great question. So, I mean, underlying um, Nextbyte from a technical standpoint is primarily OrderMark's platform. Uh, so, every one of our fulfillment partners receives at no cost order, the OrderMart platform, and that's how they receive all the orders for NextByte brands that they're running, and they want to turn on new brands, they can do that through the platform. Um, the, the, the t- I love analogies, um, and, and the tax analogy for me um, is, you know, when you're, when you're in your 20s and your finances are fairly simple. Um, you know, you can use TurboTax or whatever and probably eek by and the IRS probably won't even be paying close attention. You know, if you're successful and pay your cards right as you get older, um, then you see diminishing returns from trying to tackle things that you're not an expert at. And, um, and I think taxes is, is, is a good example of that. Um, you know, if I was to try to do my own taxes today, uh, not only would I probably raise all kinds of red flags, uh, with the IRS, but I, I would get things wrong and I would lose money as a result. Um, it's just too complicated. and uh, and so the opportunity cost is too great to insist on doing it myself. And I think that you know when we think about operators, even large chains, um, uh, you know it, it certainly they can staff up and they can hire great technology people. Um, but the, the the kinds of specialization and learnings that that we're doing, and that I referenced earlier, with regards to ops and um, and the deceptive complexity of operations and training and supply chain, and um, as it pertains to delivery-only brands, it is it is overwhelming. Um, the specialization that we develop, similar to the specialization, I think, that other vendors in the the hospitality tech stack end up developing. And so while you can't just carte blanche say, well, I'm going to hand the keys over to my vendors, um, I think you have, if you want to be a smart operator, you really do need to go deep and understand what it is that you're good at, what it is that you can get good at. And where you want to focus your time and money and energies you know another analogy for me as a doctor like you know hopefully we all have doctors that we trust and do a great job and they can cure illness but you wouldn't bring your laptop in and ask your doctor to fix your laptop that's ludicrous you know i think that you know similarly that's a great point um you know when we're talking about data and technology and, and uh, quality control um as it pertains to delivery only brands um there's just I'm, I am blown away every day by what our, our team is learning and the technology they're developing to automate and to make more efficient. Everything from marketing to training to, um, you know, fulfillment of these brands. So, um Anyways, I hope that that's No, no, that, that
1: that that, no it, it, it does. It's unbelievable. And I will say that uh, you should probably speak to your trademark attorney uh, soon because <laughs> Jimmy has already made a call. I see to hours and he's already got the tech te- the taxes trademark rolling. <laughs> so nice. uh, just be careful. Uh, Jimmy will probably it. footnote you. <laughs> But he is, I'll, attribute, he is. I'll
0: attribute I'll attribute the saying to that.
1: Yeah. And, and by the way, and your your analogy with the with the bringing the computer to the doctor, that's too, Jimmy loves that because we have a whole line in that, that that everyone goes and eats out in restaurants or is cooked food. So everyone must know everything about restaurants. So Jimmy always always brings in a line like that. You know, yeah. I, I don't go to the, the the auto mechanic and start telling him about my car. He tells me I got to fix my car. I'm like, OK, I got to fix my car. So 100 percent, right. you know, but right. everyone seems to be a maven. Yeah. When it comes to restaurants, they know everything about <laughs> it because they eat there, um, Absolutely. It, which is funny. Everyone has his opinion. But let me ask you something. Let me just change gears a little bit because you brought up a good point about how technology and the tax and how, it, how important it is. And I'm finding that restaurants today, I mean, you know, restaurants, we're, we're in the hospitality business. We're, we're trying to please people. We're making food and drink. That's what we do. We're creative, if anything. But yep. we're certainly not technologists. Um, yep. You know, uh, POS, we have a little open table, you know. Maybe we, we, we threw in some DSPs over the last couple of years. And that was it. But now and, you know, and if you were coming out of a, of, of a, of a top school in, in, you know, and you wanted to pursue technology, you weren't going into a restaurant. That would sure. be the last place you were going. You're going to go sure. Facebook and Google and these big Silicon Valley, big, you know, Oracle's, whatever these kind of big companies like that. So so restaurants never really had a lot of technology people even coming to look for jobs there, because why would they? You know, it just doesn't sure. make sense. And now you see so many of these big groups CTOs are like all the rage. Everyone's got CTOs. They're all hiring tech people, you know. And so yep. that, that's that's interesting that you brought that up. Um, but now I think about consistency because you know yep. when I think about McDonald's, you go to McDonald's really anywhere in the world, and that Big Mac tastes the same. Sure. But now you're you're taking in in in, in uh, I'll go back to George Lopez burrito and you're putting a, 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 you're saying hey Jimmy your cafe is going to make this burrito and you're Ch- in Chicago and then they uh, Shatsy oh you have a place in New York Shatsy you're going to make the George Lopez burrito and then you go somebody in Miami and he's going to make it. and they're all three of us are different operators we're yep. not the same we have different everything so. How do you control consistency? Because like I said, McDonald's, you know, it's, it's part of their corporate culture. They've got people. Now, how do you control consistency, making sure? Because if I go to Chicago and I get that burrito, it's yep. got to taste. When I go back to Miami to my house and I say, oh, I'm going to let George Lopez burrito, delicious. If it doesn't come the same, it's going to be very It's uh, – I'm going to be mad. Absolutely. I'm going to Yelp. Absolutely. I'm going to
2: Yelp, Paul. Yeah, that's right. No, I hear you. well, you know, the um, – <laughs> Yeah, it's it's a, a very important question and um, something we think deeply about the, um, you know, for us, it really starts with the brand development and our brand development team works in the same office with our supply chain team. And so there's a lot of different points of entry for new brands for us. Um, it can come new brands could come from trends. They can come from licensing deals. They can come from uh, data uh, often do. Um, but the, um, but the, the brands that we develop universally, um, we design in a way so that they're very, very difficult to foul up, to do improperly. I thought you were uh, going to yeah. say they're very difficult to make. Uh,
1: no. <laughs> they're no. very, very complicated recipes <laughs> that no, no one can
2: execute. <laughs> we, 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 no, we, we optimize for flavor and for consumer experience, right. but also for speed and ease of execution. Mm-hmm. And um, and so that that's kind of uh, step number one for us. And then um, next up is we... We have um, a lot of data, obviously, you know, we have thousands, and thousands of customers on the order mark system. So we're able to target operators, number one, that are great operators, number two, that maintain high consumer satisfaction scores. Um, and there's other data, there's other metrics that we monitor and use to predict performance. Mm-hmm. Um, but so this combination of designing the right kinds of brands and then finding the, the, the best operators for those brands, it's not always... You know, every operator cannot fulfill um, all of our brands. Um, There are some brands that we design for specific uh, profile of operator. Um, And then um, every every single fulfillment partner location is monitored extensively across a variety of platforms. Um, and then that data is uh, consumed by our data team and used to identify where there are issues. And then we have a retraining team uh, that steps into action once they've obviously been trained up, uh, which is the first step. Um, and then the um, we have secret shoppers nationwide. So they're sampling and taking photos and providing written feedback. On our operators, and so that's another level of control. Um, and ultimately, uh, if uh, if operators are not performing, there's a correction period, and then we terminate. So it's very they, similar they, to a franchise model. Um, similar in some ways, yeah. You, you, some you ways. can lo- you know franchise
1: operator, you can lose your franchise if you're not yeah. you know living up to yeah. the expectations. Yeah. That's right. Yeah.
0: Ex-
2: Excellent.
0: Yep. Mm. Yep. As she shouts I just love the modernization. What we would have called spotters. Uh, you know 15, 20 years ago are now secret shoppers. I gotta say that's a much better naming. That is a well-marketed <laughs> naming improvement.
1: Yeah, I think that comes from the, you know, that comes really from I think the the
0: the retail came with the secret yeah, sure. shopper. Secret shopper. That's it's, right. it's it's look, it's just better. Um right. I'm gonna shift gears for a moment and Chadsey's already accused me correctly of my love of stealing phrases and lines. Borrowing borrowing phrases and lines. Yeah it's borrowing um, stealing's a really hard yeah, very 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 steal. bad word. I'm I'm gonna do that again right now. A past guest um yeah. On the on the hangout, shared with us the the idea that that and we think he's right that restaurant operators didn't get into this industry to be data analysts. And I know you've sure. been touching on data, you talked about data. Um and and again, Shati said I'm excited by data. I believe it's massively important and incredibly valuable. Uh, um, yeah. you know at NextByte, especially with the cross wiring and and kind of you know the partnership um, with OrderMark, data sure. is a very big deal. And can you share a little more insights on that? And I'm just telling all our listeners, this is, I I think, the mo- the third most valuable data set uh, in the world behind financial data and healthcare data. I'm not going to go into more than that. Um, consumer preference data that comes to hospitality is the third most valuable data set out there. Now I'll pass it to
2: Paul. Okay, yeah. Well, you know, we have a, a fairly large uh, data team currently, and we're growing that that team. And they're extremely busy um, servicing really every department within the company. Um, But the, the, you know, obviously, the learnings, there's a lot of proprietary learnings that we're having. And I can't go into into tremendous detail. But, you know, there certainly is, as we've talked about earlier, an important correlation between repeat orders and lifetime value of a consumer. And, um, you know, one of the challenges uh, when it comes to delivery brands is obtaining that, um, information, uh, to reliably calculate, um, uh, repeat orders in LTV. And we have some techniques that we're developing that enable us to do just that, um, the, um, also, as we talked about earlier, you know, there's such a strong correlation between marketing efficiency and operational excellence um that the use of data um to improve operational efficiency um which in the case of delivery only brands you know means speed of prep uh delivery um and reliability with the delivery services there's a host of factors that impact the restaurants um uh, ranking and appearance within the delivery services that operators need to be uh, obsessed about, um, and much of that data we provide as feedback to our fulfillment partners. Um, but uh, yeah, data—you know—getting back to the tax analogy, um, it is a major focus uh, for us on the on the next byte side, and without a really strong data team. Um, we would be flat-footed. There's simply no way that our uh, partners could compete uh, in the in the marketplace. Paul,
0: thank you for that.
2: That is excellent. Let's um, jump right back into talking back.
1: I got to have uh, Paul ask us a question, Jimmy.
0: All right, let's do it. Paul, we started the podcast. We like having guests on and friends on uh, to talk and ask them questions and let our listen, listeners uh, hear what they've got to say. We learned along the way. Some of our guests have questions for us. We created the talking back section. The microphone's yours. Uh, nothing's off the table. What do you got for Shadzi and
2: myself? Love it. Well, you know, I was looking at your portfolio this morning. I said, I don't know if this is a fair question, but I'd love to know because, <laughs> I saw you were in uh, the Techstars uh, mentor group for Farm to Fork, was it? Yeah, you were on that. You were on that call. Yeah, yeah. And uh, so I, I'd be curious to know, it could be one of those companies, or it could just be another company. Some, a co- what what com- companies interest you that aren't in, currently in your portfolio? And if that's not a fair question, maybe just the category. Well, I have to
1: say that, Paul, first of all, I have to defer everything to, uh, you know, Jimmy plays a lawyer in real life. Okay. <laughs> so I always have to run any of these things through Jimmy first and get clearance. Yeah. Sure. So Jimmy, sure. you have to go first, and just let then I can answer. But I have to make sure I don't say because Jimmy yell at me. How could you say that?
0: <laughs> yeah. Actually, um, Shats, I'm, um, I like I pride myself being direct and unfiltered. Um, I'm told I have to love all my nieces and nephews the same, whether that's true yeah. or not, who knows. But when it comes to our investments, I don't have to love them all the same, and I don't I don't have to love every segment the same. Um, right now, I would say the following: for as much as we're doing with the, we'll call it the ghost kitchen, virtual space, yada, 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 as much as we're doing with, with customer feedback, uh, with, with uh, digital marketing, and building a digital tool set, because at the end of the day, we, we are obsessed with the fact that we're going to have to create hospitality which, you know, the great host or hostess, the bartender, the server, we're going to have to do that with our guests in this virtual world. And we're never going to have the customer come into our store. So first and foremost, we've been really focused on a bunch of technologies that we think um, will help deliver value and really create that hospitality experience in a digital world. Shockingly, we still haven't gotten involved in the ghost kitchen space itself. So I would mm-hmm. say, as an I'm not big, at net, and this is not a plug uh, because you're on, on the, you're on the show with us. Of course the is. fact is, no, but the, mm-hmm. but the fact is, it is an it's an obvious void that while we work with many, we have not deployed capital in the space. So we're continuing to look at it and try to mm-hmm. find entry point because Brandon's view is that by the end of this decade. of restaurants are going to be virtual are going to be non in-person dining experiences. So with that, View and the way we're positioning so much of our of our tech stack to to make sure we deliver value to other tech companies in the space. I think we have an obvious void and need to find an investment and a company to partner with in the digital space itself. Like a next Flight. so stick around at the end of the show, Paul. We'll make our pitch to you. You make our your pitch to us. And Fantastic. hey,
1: Jimmy, we yeah, can love we that. can you know, Paul, we can write you a really really big check. I can tell you that. We could can, we can write a bigger check than SoftBank. Just don't cash okay. it. Yeah, just, just, <laughs> just, just, don't, just don't cash it, okay? Just don't, well, it. Just don't cash it. You don't can you it. pin
0: it on your wall. Yes. You can do anything.
1: I mean, I could put a lot of
0: zeros yes. in a and check. I, and I'll say one more thing. I know I've spoken too much on this, but <laughs> since you asked a very good question, other than that one area, I will say yeah. that we've done some work in the automation space and the robotic space. And I think Brandon's going to look to do more of that because the labor issue is not going away. The turnover in Multi-unit operators and 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 the enterprise, you know, 100% turnover was it was table stakes. That's nothing. That's obvious. It yeah. is, it 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 achieved 200%, um, yeah. and that's still not stressing. You know, that's not out of the norm. We are now more than that. We're a three, four hundred percent turnover. Uh, venues cannot staff. Um, And they can't meet the demand. So at the end of the day, we realize that this is really a meaningful change. It's not just the economic stimulus. It's not just this environment. There's a lot of other things going on. So I will say that we're going to be looking at more robotics and automation and increase that vertical uh, for our uh, our portfolios, but it was a great question. I always I spoke too long, and John's make fun of me. Uh, but ghost no, kitchens I and, automation well, I, just and I was fund. I thought
1: I was going to add something, but I can't because Jimmy spoke too long. So I'm just going to say ditto, <laughs> and move on to uh, top of the tech stack. Because look, <laughs> operators, you know, again, we talked earlier, restaurant industry, we're very slow to embrace technology, we are just, you know, you know, you ask an operator, do you have a lot of tech? Oh, I got a point of sale system. I got micros. Um, are you kidding me? Look at this. Look at this thing. It's got a touch screen. And, yeah. and, you know, they've had it for 22 years. And as far as they're concerned, they're loaded with tech. Sure. But if you can give an operator some advice on on what is the most important piece of tech that you have to have right now outside of the, the order mark next bite piece of the puzzle, because that's a sure. great one, Sure. What, would, what would your advice be? What's the next thing you, you have to have? You got to have this.
2: Sure. Well, obviously, I think you need to have some semblance of a point of sale system. And, um, you know, I think most, most restaurants do. Um, I, you know, I, I, we think a lot about staffing as well, um, inventory management, and efficient operations. And so, um, certainly, there are lots of vendors out there that are providing sophisticated uh, staffing and inventory solutions. Um, I think that, um, you know, whether or not it's attached to your point of sale system, you know, the key is for operators to select systems that they're going to deploy and they're actually going to be using actively. You know, we, we think that those are very important.
0: Awesome. And thank you. All right. We're up for our crystal ball moment, a chance where we ask our guests to put on their Kreskin or Miss Clio hats and predict the future. Uh, so, Paul, how do you see restaurants and dining two years from now in relation to hospitality and technology?
2: Yeah. Great. Great. Another great question. I think that the um, we're going to continue to see this fractionalization of brands and consumer demand, um, you know, continued erosion of boring old brands. And I think that, you know, we've begun to see that in the trend data, uh, but I think that'll just continue to accelerate, you know, for obvious reasons. Um, the exposure to consumers of social media and their ability, you know, to to compare what people are eating, you know, what their friends are eating, uh, I think, uh, supports more selectivity um, and and a desire for broader choice. Um, So I think that's going to continue. And I think that, um, you know, we're continuing to see a more consumer interest in different kinds of eating experiences outside of uh, the restaurant, uh, whether that's at home or at the beach or on a picnic. Um, and so I think we'll continue to see that demand for, for more choice. Yeah. Uh, and then I think it's unavoidable, even in the next two years, we're going to see impact of the graying of America. And um, you know, particularly with the, uh, the tutoring lesson that has been COVID um, we're going to see more and more seniors, um uh choosing you know to order in so yeah i think it's funny i just think that we had
1: a guest on last week and uh, and his prediction was that a lot of dining like most dining is going to be just a car drive-through pickup window it's just gonna mm. be a pickup window just car mm-hmm. pickup window that's it just pickup window and that's it to your point just yeah. order Go to your car, pick up window, and, and you're done. Pick up window, that's it.
0: Shut. Uh, so chefs, will there be a pickup window in this uh, restaurant in the future? Uh, oh, I no, Jimmy. There that. will not you be
1: a pick. Yeah, Jimmy. You know, checking. I'm I'm half Jewish, so you know, I have to repeat myself <laughs> over and over again. Uh, listen, now that we did the crystal ball moment, I'm going right to the brand quick fire. The quick fire, Paul. I'm going to ask you five lightning round questions. Don't think okay. too hard. First thing comes to mind. This is the best section of. Uh, it actually was voted best segment. Of Podcast Twenty Twenty One from the uh, United States Podcast uh, Association. Well, very, so we're very excited about yeah. that. Um, are you ready, Paul? I am ready. <laughs> my hand is right. on the bu- on the button on the buzzer. <laughs> okay, don't let me down.
2: Jeopardy or Wheel of Fortune? Jeopardy. Where are you going for dinner tonight? I'm going to local restaurant Hapa Sushi
0: with my data
2: know. team. Yeah, taking the data team out for dinner. Nice. What is your favorite food city in the world?
1: Oh, New York! Nice, nice. When travel resumes to complete normalcy, where's the first place you want to go? Japan. We've had a lot of ja- we've had a lot of Japan? people in Japan. I got to get over again. this Japan. I'm telling you, this Japan must be very interesting. <laughs> I catch on. A lot of people are saying they want to go to Japan. All right, this is the big one. If you were to challenge Jimmy Rai to a game of Gin Rummy, <laughs> who would you have the better odds of beating?
2: <laughs> I think you both beat me. I don't play games
0: oh
1: all right thank well you. Wait, thank you paul I was very politically correct and i really appreciate that response jimmy was already waving bye-bye shats i was Just leaving, let me I, tell
0: you. I was waving bye-bye shats i heard card game yeah. and i'm like shats. Card
1: game putting things together hearts and, and 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 suits and rows and this and that i was like absolutely you know we joked that when i asked that last question they're like well shatsy be honest with you I figured that you'd get bored with ADT. <laughs> you'd be at the bar in like two minutes. So we'd start playing gin rummy. And then I'd be like, where's the bar? I got to get out of here. So I appreciate that, Paul. Thank you. I owe you a beer if I see an FSTAC tack for sure. Yeah. Take you
0: Shatsy, Shatsy you getting a tie, that's that's essentially a win for you. And hundred. It. That's it's my Paul. second win, I think. I got yes. the naked twister and I got this. <laughs> yes. All right, Paul, listen, we want to thank you so much for joining us uh, on the Hospitality Hangout. My pleasure. Um, and for all your great insights. Uh, we appreciate the hard work. Uh, that you and the and the teams at both next Byte and order mark uh, do to support uh, the hospitality industry. Uh, if you want to get in touch with Paul uh, directly. Uh, hey, Paul, what's can... your cell phone? Could you just give us your cell phone? <laughs> Between us? No, you can email us. And by us, I mean, you can email branded uh, and that's podcast at brandedstrategic.com. I think I could have gotten that out of Paul, by the way. I think he's
1: about to give it to us. probably would again. He's about to give it And that's why I jumped
0: in. We, don't want, we, 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 uh, we do not want cell numbers. Uh, we, we are happy to have people contact the branded team at podcast at brandedstrategic.com and we'd be happy to make an introduction for you. Now, I mentioned at the top of the episode that we had a fantastic offer uh, to our listeners and specifically to all operators out there. Every, operators, hey, listen, if
1: you're driving, if you're driving, pull over now because this, this could, <laughs> you, could this, you could crash. So pull over before Jimmy announces this. Yeah, it, it,
0: it could cause a whole backup on I-87. Um, We are excited to share that Brandon is uh, not just a keynote sponsor uh, at Winsight's FS Tech in Dallas coming up September 12th or the 14th. I'm sure, NextBite's a sponsor there too, right, Paul? I'm, I'm sure so, OrderMarket so, next probably. Are definitely there. This is going to yeah. be the in person uh event, the return. Um, I know it's been a little challenged right now by by things going on, but we're 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 excited about it, and we want to see you there. Brandon is sponsoring the Innovation Alley with our partners at Lockton, Middleby, and Denton's. And and we are willing to offer free registration. Uh, come on our tab to any restaurant operator listening today. Hey, All Jimmy, to do- hotels, oh, come on, it's not just restaurants, Jimmy. Well, I'm sorry, not just restaurants. I, but I, but yes, we are offering. You're right. Any operator of an F and B venue, stadiums, arenas, airports, hospitals, and of course restaurants and hotels, free registration. If you're listening, take advantage of the offer by emailing us simply at podcast at brandedstrategic.com and we will make it happen free hey, registration coming up.
1: They don't just get free registration, Jimmy. What about all the
0: parties, the events, the cocktail parties? I mean, come on, a lot of good stuff going on. Can you highlight the incredible working sessions and speakers and yes. the quality of Yeah, the well, I was talking about that, but I mean, yes. and and
1: I just wanted to add, this is the last time, this is really, this is the most exciting part of the offer. We have just two seats available. Two seats available to have lunch with Jimmy Frischling, finance guy at FS Tech if you Email us right now that you want to come. We will pick out of a hat the two people, and they, you get to have lunch with Jimmy at da- in Dallas at the Gaylord Resort, and Jimmy can talk anything you want with yes. Jimmy, and Jimmy's buying it.
0: Yes. So so since our phone stopped ringing on that, if you want to come to the event for free and you don't want to lunch with me, that's your option. That's okay too. Listen to our, uh, to our listeners. Thank you so much for taking the time to tune in. We know there are literally hundreds of thousands of podcasts out there. And the fact that you choose to hang with us is something we appreciate and value. Join us next time as we welcome our guest, Tom Pickett, the chief revenue officer at this really small and kind of quiet little company that almost no one's ever heard of. DoorDash. Yes. Tom Pickett, Chief Revenue Officer how, such, how are we getting guests like this? Paul Allen from yep. uh, from, from NextBite. We got the guy from
1: DoorDash. What the heck is going on here? Chats, People you must know, have a lot of
0: time on their hands, Jimmy. You're, you're very <laughs> charming. I got it to you. You're one, you're <laughs> one charming F and you know what. Okay. Um, and finally, 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 if you haven't done so already, please subscribe to our podcast. You don't miss out on any of the exciting guests we'll have coming up. In the hey, you know, you can
1: get it on Spotify and and, and iTunes and, and everywhere, Jimmy.
0: And Foodable Network, uh, our, 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 our key our partner producer, in all yes. of this. Yep, uh, and better yet, invite along a friend uh, to join us next time. Yep. So listen, a big shout out, a big final thank you to Paul Allen uh, and, and his whole team at Next Bite. This is Jimmy Frischling, uh, your finance guy, signing off and passing passing it to Shatsy to wrap it up.
1: Hey, thanks, everybody. Thanks, Jimmy. Shatsy, uh, aka Restaurant Guy, thanks for hanging with us at the Hospitality Hangout. Paul Allen, our guest, thanks again. And this was great. Looking forward to seeing you in Dallas. Thanks, everybody. Thanks, Cheers. Paul.
0: Cheers.